Hello, it's Hayden Williams here, and it's another episode of the Man in the Mirror podcast. Uh, it's a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest about life, about their work, and about some of those key items in their bathroom cabinets, those things that they can't do without. They might be the things that they take around with them in a toilet bag, those those essentials, and they tell me and and you about them. And there might be some things that you want to take into your routine. Um, this week, I think, is a really special one. Uh, it's someone that I've admired for a, a long time and was thrilled to get the opportunity to talk to. It's David Seth Maltz from DS and Durga, who are a Brooklyn-based uh, niche perfumery brand. Uh, unusual, I think, insofar as they're sort of perfumer-owned. It's David and his wife, Cavi. She looks after the sort of design, aesthetic side of things. And David himself is the perfumer, which is quite unusual, really. There's often a sort of uh, founder of a business, as uh, people I've spoken to on Man in the Mirror, actually, who are um, interpreters, if you like, you know, the creative direction of it, but they'll still have to deal with a, an actual perfumer to to bring their visions to life, whereas in, in the case of D.S. and Durga, the ideas and the perfume itself comes from the founder, David. So... Um, He's a really interesting guy, has, has a, a, a background in music. It's a very cool brand. You might know some of their fragrances. So here we go. It's David Seth Maltz. I'm Hayden Williams, and it's Man in the Mirror. Hi, welcome along to another episode of Man in the Mirror. And this week, I'm really, really happy to tell you I've joined by David Seth Maltz from DS and Durga. Hi, David. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm really good. And I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I know you're a very busy guy and it's morning. Are you in Brooklyn? Are you I in also the have to say thank you for accommodating the time stuff. Oh, God. Yes, no, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn, New York in the Navy Yards. Right. And is, is that is the office and is the shop there or is the shop somewhere else? No, the, we have two stores, one in the city in Nolita and one in Williamsburg. And this, the Williamsburg store is probably a you know 10 minute drive from here. Right. I was really keen. It's, actually, it's the first sort of perfumer that I've had on Man in the Mirror. I've talked to lots of uh, founders of businesses and journalists and, and all sorts of people connected with the world of fragrance and beauty and skincare and all those things. But actually, it's a, it's a real privilege to, to have a perfumer on. And um, there's not I, that I many, do, right? There's about there's not there's not that there's not, there's I think not there's that many. 400 perfumers who make 90 percent of the things in the world. Wow. And and I think if you know maybe if if some of the listeners aren't aware, it's 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 even more special because it feels like a lot of the, um, the perfumers and the noses are kind of concentrated into these big fragrance houses, and it's often they're often down in France, and um, it feels like a kind of a a sort of club and a, and a you know a sort of rarefied group of people. Yet you exist really successfully out of that world, and and. I don't. I've, I said in the in the intro about um, your background in in music and as a musician, but it'd be great to find out how that how that trajectory works and how you found yourself on this on this path of of fragrance and actually sort of you know not just having an interest and in, and in kind of directing other people to to right, create right. your visions. You're, you're, yeah, you're, I, I got to get you're my hands dirty. Right? Right? So, so I mean, yeah, I, how did I, that it, happen? It starts with just you know who I am as far as. I think I could figure out like any artistic discipline. So Kavi and I, my wife, we were going away in our relationship and like sort of 
uh, going into used bookstores and just finding all these old like manuals about herbals and plants. And I didn't know why I was so interested in it. I was definitely interested in the herbs and things growing out of the sidewalks around me in, in New York wanted to find out about the plants. Uh-huh. Then I saw all these recipes for things and started making toners and all these kinds of things. And I realized that it was actually the fragrance was the most interesting portion for me. So I started getting a bunch of oils and making things. Didn't really think too much of it. This was uh, December of 2007. Made a bunch of gifts for people for like Christmas. And they all really right. liked it. Kavi was an architect and worked in an architecture studio. And, she, and we said, she said, why don't we just start a business? Why don't you make this? And I'll make crazy labels for it and we did and it took off you know within three months we were selling in a store then people wrote about it and we quit our jobs within a year and we realized you know we didn't know anything about perfume or the perfume business or business at all we had to learn as we went and you know i put my ten thousand hours in figuring out how to make it all make sense in my own language and we were able to transition i was a musician you know, wanting to write about certain things in music, I could transition those ideas into fragrance. And Kavi was an architect and could transition her uh, architectural design into product design. And it really took off. So you found this kind of perfect vehicle that, that, that you could create your, you know, use your different artistic disciplines, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I think fragrance is an art form that's equal to poetry, music, literature, visual arts. You can say the same amount of you know, deep emotive ideas and stories aromatically as you can with music or with words. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is something I'm passionate about pushing, you know, more into the collective conscious is, is just this idea that perfume can be a vehicle for, for great ideas. It's not just a accessory to fashion, you know, it's not just, uh, about smelling good. It's really about, um, the, the ideas and you don't really hear about that as much because, the perfumer is lost behind the company and the brand so yeah. often. You know, there's very yeah. few perfume brands where the perfumer's voice is heard. And so all of the words you see, all the names and stories, that is all me. Um, so I can talk about what I'm doing. And there's a clear concept from the creator in the final product. You know, in a, in a lot of brands, it's not to say ours is better for this. It's just that it's the vision from the perfumer is clearer than most brands. Yeah because of that you know usually you'd have a creative uh director or someone with ideas go to a fragrance house and say oh i want to make something that smells like a trip i had to uh turkey when i was you know 13 well maybe that perfumer's never been to turkey they they don't know what it's like or anything and so then they start just going off of what they think that person experienced well for me i actually experienced it so i can make yeah i can make my version of what i was there and and smelled and you know and I think that you know that's that, that definitely comes across in in Diaz and Durga perfumes and and home fragrance and it, it's really interesting. You talk; it feels like that's the sort of the shortest journey from from your visions and your creativity to the to the end consumer. And you say often there's there's a ton of different people in the way. And I, I'm just you know I, I work in music elsewhere as well, and I've, I find it endlessly fascinating when there's people that kind of work in these different, um, you know, creative arts, but somehow bring it all together. And it's, it's, it's surprising to me when it's, it's not surprising, but it, you know, how often those same, those same kind of disciplines are, are used and you're using the same muscles. I mean, you're, you're obviously someone that is interested in 
art and music and literature just as much as perfume and just finding a way to sure. to present it's it just variables this. right it's just it's just different different uh languages saying the same thing look we already live in a you know universal like a an illusionary world, like scientifically, spiritually speaking, we live in this illusionary space and we're all sort of playing, um, you know, with dad's stuff, like making cool, cool, like versions and stories ourselves. That's why we're yeah. attracted to fantasy. It's why, you know, we're attracted uh, to adventure because our life is a mystery and an adventure and a fantasy. And so I think playing with different variables that you're given, whether they'll be instruments or be aromatic materials or paint colors or words, it doesn't matter. It's just using different languages mm. to transmit the same kind of ideas. And yeah. I, I'm very comfortable cooking a dish that's based upon a perfume or writing a poem about a song or you yeah. know any of that kind of stuff. And, and the great thing with perfume as well, obviously you've, you've got the opportunity with Cavi to, it's not only an olfactory thing. There's, you know, there's something beautiful to look at. There's a playlist mm -hmm. you can check out, you know, there's these different sort of touch points. Yeah. The 360 the thing is important to me to be able to make. Yeah. So I make all those playlists, you know, each one perfume is like its own little world that you can get lost in. There's the, there's the name and the notes, but then inside there's the liner notes where I really talk more about it. There's a playlist, there's images, sometimes there's movies. There are all these little worlds that you can enter because, you know, it's kind of like wearing like an adventure story on your skin that you can dip back into throughout the day. You know, it's like a, it's a, or, or it's like, I think the easiest way to change like the mood of something is to change the fragrance or put on different music. You know, if, if we start listening to like Dixieland jazz right now, boom, the, the mood is created right then and there, you know, not, not everything works so, so quickly, like visual art or something, but I think fragrance and music are invisible and you can really, well, the one thing about perfume versus music is I always say like in music, if I want to make something that tries to smell like, you know, second century BC Mesopotamia, it's still going to sound like a white guy from America that like grew up playing the blues. I, I can't, I can't pretend like I sound like that, but fragrance, you can, the artist can really hide behind it. I could make something that smells like second century BC Mesopotamia and you don't know who made it. You don't know it's you. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're talking about the, the different art forms as well. And, I, and, and really, I suppose you could, you could think of it like, you know, walking around a, a museum or a, or a gallery, like people don't, if people want to take stuff and, and, you know, stand there for 20 minutes and really absorb the art, you can do that with perfume and you can do that with the different touch points, but you don't have mm -hmm. to. There's still, there's just as much enjoyment in, in the thing itself. But I guess you're, you're offering up these different layers and these different places to go and check out if, if you want to, that can, that can enhance, but it doesn't have to. Totally. And that, and that, I think that's very important is that it does not become didactic where like, you got to do it like this because look at a record, right? Enjoy it like a this. <laughs> yeah. Look at the format of a record compared to an MP3 or even like a CD or a tape. A record is big. So it's visually like arresting. Like there's a lot to look at. You put that record on and you listen to the music you could just walk away it doesn't matter but usually inside there's liner notes yeah. where especially in classical music it's often someone writing about the uh sometimes it's the conductor writing about the composer who they were why they made this piece of music and a little bit about what's going on in it and it really enriches the experience right because you, you're like sure. now you have someone talking about what you're listening to and you'll forever color you know, your understanding of this invisible thing that doesn't need words to convey messages. Mm, absolutely.
And when you were talking about how you got into, you know, these sort of homemade fragrances with with your wife, Cavi, further back than that, were you someone that was, you know, going through the duty-free and going, that's a really interesting fragrance? Like, were you someone that was interested in fragrance anyway, or was it more just sort of getting under the bonnet of something and fixing definitely things, making things? Definitely not at the duty-free. That's funny. <laughs> definitely not at the duty-free. But uh, Fahrenheit at the duty-free. <laughs> I do love fragrance. Growing up, I got I won a bottle of perfume at like when I was six years old at a camp raffle, a bottle of Pierre Cardin, and that started the journey for me. And I was yeah. really obsessed with the first polo in the green bottle with the gold cap. Yeah, you yeah. know, I always liked wearing fragrance. Um, and then yeah, like different fragrances because at that time you'd like wear one for a year or something. They definitely defined like times in my life. I was really into the '90s ones, and then I wore a Comme des Garcons too. And when I came to New York, never thought. I'd be in perfume, but I knew that I loved it and and that there was this magical little world inside of it. And I, at some point, bought some oils and tried to like mess around and make my own thing and it didn't last and I didn't understand why. So when I went back to it to figure that out was was a journey. I got really into bay rum and I was like, oh, I'm going to make my own bay rum. And I bought bay leaves and rum and stuff and spices yeah. and made it and it smelled cool, but it lasted like, you know, two minutes. So <laughs> to try to figure out like how how to actually make a real bay rum you know, was, was one of the first sort of impetuses of me making things, to be honest. But you're obviously someone that can kind of get down into the reeds and the rushes and stuff and work things out, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta, you gotta go deep and figure those things out. And I do think in the jury's out, I'm writing a book that hopefully would be able to like explain a little bit of like what perfume is and how to make it. I feel like you could train like anyone, but you have to be someone who's good at like observing things and really picking them apart. So I definitely have that in the nose, like where I can smell something and really understand what's going on in there. And you know, it's a layered thing where you don't you don't always smell like I'll give one example. Um, you know, really nice pine oil from like the let's say the, the Italian, there's an Italian pine or like from the Tyrolean Alps that smells really beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's a note in there that's very different from a lot of other ones. And, you know, there's a lot of conifers and they, they really, it's hard to tell the difference between a lot of conifers and the smells really overlap. Like not everyone can tell the difference between spruce and fir, you yeah. know, they can be very close, but uh, Italian dwarf pine and some of the fancier ones, the Tyrolean stuff, it has a note in there that took me like a long time to figure out. And lo and behold, really, it's mushroom alcohol. It's the it's this smell that, that Matsutake mushrooms gives them their earthy smell. And if you right. think about it, it makes complete sense, right? Because th- those mushrooms literally grow on pine trees. In the ground, yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's where you get an idea of like, oh, okay. So now when you take, you know, some of like your pine extracts, your pine oils, the building blocks of like the terpenes that make it smell like pine, you add in this mushroom alcohol and boom, you start to be in the realm of having really beautiful pine oil that's hard to get. Yeah. Is that, is that something that's in, because I really love Free Trapper. Is that, obviously uh, that's, Free Trapper a lot of does not have that, but I think there, 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 yeah, there was Italian dwarf pine in that. That is a discontinued right. fragrance, but. Oh, is it? You know, yeah, we don't make it anymore. Yeah. Oh, I've still got about 20 mil and I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you've got to, it's been, it's yeah. been gone for like a two years, I think. Um, is it? So yeah, and there's definitely the good pine oil in there, but um, that's one of the magic things about perfumery is, you know, we think some people think totally in terms of like naturals and they're like, well, does this have like real like pine oil in it? The magical thing about perfume is if you know what you're doing, 
you can make something smell like a real beautiful pine tree in like in how it how it smells in real life with no pine oil. I mean, pine is yeah. one where you're going to probably use some real pine, but that's the magic of perfumery is that you're able to build this house of cards that replicates a scent that you come across in the world. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter at all if it has that in it. You know, yeah, and I guess there's lots of cases where you ha- you have to do that anyway because you know certain yeah things animal don't give products up their and ambergris yeah. and all these things you can't use you can't use the real thing. Or, right, um, exactly. Castor is it Castor? Yeah, some Castor- people use real Castorium. I I, yeah. I won't use anything where an animal is harmed. Uh, yeah, for something. So the only uh, animal thing I feel comfortable with is there's beeswax, sometimes like residue and things. Um, so that I, I'm okay with that. I I'm a big consumer of honey in my life. I love honey. Uh, yeah, and then there is one called, uh, that's Hyrax urine where, you know, it, it was Hyrax is thousands of years ago peed in the same spot and it leaves this thing called Africa stone. Um, I actually have never used it, but I would like, cause it's, it's a, it's a yeah, fossilized yeah. like piss basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we'll come back and talk about, um, DS and Dergus some more, I'm sure. But, um, one of the things I like to do on Man in the Mirror is is kind of talk about the world around um, the, the person that I'm talking to and, and their, some of their kind of favorite bathroom essentials and things that things that you use, I guess, outside of perfume. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I kind of I got into the perfume bit first, and then I found that I wanted kind of nicer. I don't know that, that olfactory thing, and then the quality of those products, and so it led me, you know, down a rabbit hole of you know, wanting nicer skincare and home fragrance and all these things. And I, I wonder if that's the case with you. And, and in terms of... It is of, not. It is decidedly is it not? not. I am just not... Okay. A, I'm not a beauty grooming guy, like, at all. Um, I am passionate about bar soap. I love bar yeah. soap. And in America, that's, like, really what we use. I know in Europe, it's it's different. But, yeah, like, also- I absolutely love good quality bar soap. I love stuff that smells... I love patchouli soap. I love anything that's like cedar, like the the really stinky Deodar cedar from Himalayas, like yeah. strong woody things. I, I, I can get down with lavender and stuff too. I don't shave So w- would there be a certain one that you'd... Like you'd have to have a certain bar soap in the shower or are you kind of happy to change it up and... and we change it up, but I really things. always want like my good like patchouli soap. I'm always on the... I'm always like trying to find brands that I like, you know. Uh, oh, and eucalyptus. I like eucalyptus. I like hippie bath products. If I ever came out with a high-end <laughs> line, I like hippie bath products that smell like eucalyptus and like being out yeah. in the forest and patchouli. Like that is totally my personal bag. Um, you know, I don't really shave because I have a beard. When I do, I use a electric razor at this point. So I, I'm not going to use shaving cream anyway. I mm. almost never put on, I don't wash my face with anything other than a bar of soap. Uh, sometimes because like my wife has four gajillion products, like her, like, you know, refuse, like maybe bigger, I would, yeah. would use it. Um, yeah. But like, even for like, if, if my skin is ever feeling dry, I just use like, you know, olive oil or like argan oil, like on my okay. face. It doesn't have to be a good brand or anything. Uh, and I, same thing, like I will say we make a hand soap that is the best product. So perfume is a pyramid and the top is the highest art and the most useless. It has no use. It's just, it's <laughs> art and that's fragrance. As you go down, it becomes more functional and the fragrance becomes yeah. you know less important. We make a Big Sur eucalyptus uh, and a wild Brooklyn lavender hand soap. And I think they're like, it's, it's the first incredible useful product we've ever made that like actually has a use. It works so well yeah, in yeah. it. 
And I love that for, for hand soap. Um, so I, yeah, hand soap I, I can get into. I don't really use, I would never use hand cream because my, I have hyperhidrolysis and my hands sweat all the time. So I don't need or right. cream, but if my, sometimes I, I get dry in the winter, I'll just use like anything. Like I'll use pretty much ours or whatever the wife has. I know it's not yeah. the most interesting answer, but no, 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 I mean, but it's, you know, I think it, what's come across in this podcast is that there's there's a, you know a massive continuum, and it's it's interesting either way. It's it, it's not certainly from a point of you know everyone should have this big exhaustive routine because why should you? I find it just as interesting. Yeah, I mean you're making you're you're making choices there. Any you know there's there's conscious choices there anyway, isn't there? The things you you know if you're putting olive oil on or you know you're making choices about bar soap. That's just as interesting as. Two you know, things I'll a, say a that are adjacent there. to this that I'm passionate about is, first and foremost, I love the idea of doing the, doing what you're supposed to do in the in the right moment. So that means what we are drinking or consuming at the at when you're at the beach in July in North of Boston, where I'm from, like what like, you know, that's yeah. you should be drinking. A, I'm not going to be drinking Guinnesses like on the beach, right? I'm going <laughs> to have you know like no. Coronas with a wine. So I love the perfect yeah. thing, and I'm definitely really interested in tea. Is one of my biggest passions. So I'm like a huge, right. huge tea guy. Um, whiskey, I, I definitely like a lot. And pipe tobacco and cigars, um, I'm really into. Right. So those are adjacent in terms of like really rich aromatic and flavor profiles. Tea is probably the has the most differing aromatic profiles in beverages and pipe tobacco compared to like, you know, rolling or, or cigars has such a gamut of like uh, flavor compounds that are, you know, equal to fragrance. And and being a Brit, I have to ask you, uh, how do you take your tea? Have you, are you into a ton of different teas or have you got one that you go to? Yeah, so I, I, I have a massive tea collection. Like in the morning, I generally do black tea with milk, right. um, but I use all, all I, I make a lot of my own blends. In fact, DS and Durga just came out with a few. I'm very close friends or I'm friends with Henrietta Lowe from uh, the Rare Tea Company. Right. She does, she's over in England and she does the tea at like Noma and, you know, all at Madison Park. And she just, She's a huge tea lady. She wrote this incredible tea book. Um, so she sources teas for us. We have a Brooklyn breakfast tea and a Shire Highlands smoked tea that's from Malawi that's uh, smoked over guava leaves. And we have a beautiful jasmine white tea. Um, so it depends on the, the kind of tea. In the morning, I generally drink like a stronger kind of, you know, either has a little high mountain Ceylon broken leaf or African on top of like fancy Chinese blacks or sometimes a little Darjeeling and I'll just blend it right then and there and then take it with milk throughout the day. I drink like oolongs, um, you know, that do not take milk. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I love it all. When I come to England, I mean, I'm, obs- I, I love Fortnum Mason. Oh, yeah. They have a Royal blend that's really good. Uh, she does the tea at Claridge's. I love the oh, wow. high tea at Claridge's. Yeah. I've never done that. That sounds great. Oh, you got to do it, man. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I've never done the uh, the Palm Court though at the Ritz. I need to do that sometime. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing that next year. My mum's taking me for my fiftieth, so I'm doing like a tea at the Ritz. Oh tea yeah, at the Ritz you thing. Do it. yeah. I think you know those rituals. Yeah. And- I've done that. I've done the, the tea at the Dorchester, which is amazing. Uh, and then you know Liberty and Fordham have like a tea upstairs that's nice. Yeah. Um. Final thing I know on the grooming, and it'd be just interesting what your answer is in terms of hair. Have you got a certain what do you do? What do you do with your hair? Yes, I am passionate about my hair products. There you go. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> okay. I am so into Billy Jealousy Mud. Right. And it's uh, Matt. It's, it's Matt. And it has such great hold, and like I can't, I couldn't live without it. Like it's, it's definitely my favorite hair product. It's not like fancy at all. Billy Jealousy Mud, I love that. Billy Jealousy should be a should be a singer. That's a great name. That's it's like yeah, Billy Jealousy. I think it's like something. a very big mass brand with like a cheesy logo of like a dragon on it. <laughs> um, the thing is, a lot of hair products smell fucking awful. Yeah. If you're wearing like fancy fragrance that costs a lot of money, and then you're putting on a product that costs like seven dollars. You can't be going to the product that costs seven dollars for fragrance. No, it's gonna. It just. I don't want to smell like that. You know. Mm. And I suppose that the, and there's some perfume brands now that do um, hair. Pump. Yeah, like yeah. Hair, I would do a hair perfume. Hair perfume. Because we have this one fragrance that's a fragrance enhancer that like goes over anything, and it would make sense as a hair perfume. We've been talking about that. Ah, is that, I don't know what. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would work. That'd be really cool. Um. And just tell me a bit more about, because another thing in, in the podcast is just to talk about appearance and, and how the guest thinks about their appearance when they look in the mirror. You're a younger man than I am. But, um, when you look in the mirror, are you, are you someone that sort of th- thinks about what life stage you're at? Is it, you know, do you think, because some people think, oh, I, I want to change this or I'll do that or, or hark back to a certain period in their life. What do you think when you look in the mirror? I'm 42, by the way. I think I'm very much in the Marcus Aurelius that we're all going to be dead in 200 years. Yeah. So why worry about anything? Yeah. Um, I definitely like look older than I did, you know, before. I have kind of young skin, um, but I have the the beard. One thing I'll say is um, about looking in the mirror. Oh, a hundred percent of what how I think I look good or not is about my hair. Is it? It's funny. That's really interesting. Like, like not 99. It's, it's 100%. <laughs> like if my hair looks good, everything else looks good to me. However, right now, uh, so I, I've been, I've had this haircut, you know, for a long time. That's like longer slicked back on the top and short on the sides mm-hmm. that, you know, was very cool back in the day. But now all of a sudden is very like uncool. And, you know, people make fun of it, call it like an alt-right haircut, you know, or like, you know, or like a oh, Nazi haircut. Oh, God. And, um, and, you know, and, and I went away with some friends, kids. And one, one kid is this, uh, he's a 14 year old kid. He's really cool. He looks like he's in the movie kids. So, you know, all these people dress like how we dressed in the nineties. And it's, it's such a trip for me. And, uh, and he was complaining about his hair, how it looked like very normal and it was all wild before and he wished. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Oh, but I like like when hair is like grooms like nicely. And he's like, yeah, you have a dad cut. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, okay. Like this, like this thing. So I've been trying to grow it out, but I, <laughs> I hate how it looks right now. I'm just, just like going with it. But I, when I look in the mirror, I do not think it looks good at all. You know? So that's the downside of your hundred percent based on hair. Is if you, if, yeah. If you're not. I like, you know, I, the way, the way it looks what looks good on me seems very like all of a sudden out of fashion. So I'm having to like rethink <laughs> like, like, all right, I just need to, you know, and I'm not, I'm more of like a style guy than a fashion guy. But at the same time, you don't want to look, you know, I'm just, I'm just interested now in seeing what happens, letting it grow out and stuff. I've never had long hair. I don't know if I'll have the balls to actually let it go long, long, long. Mm. Yeah. Mine, mine, would, well, it's receding anyway, but we just go up, up, up rather than long. Cause it's kind of, Thick. In terms of DS and Durga at the moment, obviously you've been releasing new 
new fragrances and, and new products. I mean, what what's what's sort of in the pipeline next? Is there and more home fragrance and more more perfume too? Oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we come out with so much stuff because my mind is very uh, rapid and has like lots of things going on. So you know, we do these studio juices where we come out with um, you know f- sort of limited edition I, things. Yeah. Yeah, I just hand make a hundred bottles, get to do whatever I want. It can be as weird as I want. Doesn't matter because it's not like a global launch and Kavi gets to do like a crazy label. Yeah. So we're doing a bunch of those for uh we're about to drop like we'll have already come out with something called the greatest cologne of all time um which i'm really excited about because <laughs> actually this is good for grooming right there is that cologne smell that like you know the 4711 yeah. the old like medici cologne that's just you know super classic, classic and like profile. almost everyone should have one but i've i've recently don't think it exists as much uh well aqua de parma makes one but it doesn't you just don't see it as much. And I was, and I've been, I've made it for myself for 10 years, just tinkering, making it better and better and better with the best stuff. So, so the thing is, you know, uh, uh, the cologne smell, just in case people don't know, is the smell when you mix together rosemary, lavender, uh, orange blossom, like neroli, the distilled one, and citrus. Usually the citrus has to be like lemon, bergamot, bitter orange. You need, you need, you need lemon in there. Uh, you can or cannot have bergamot and you do, you need some bitter orange in there. Uh, and you know, you could go, you, you could go in other directions with lime and mandarin and you know, yeah. you'd add other things mm-hmm. to, to ramp up. But the, the classic construction are, are those five oils. So I've always made it and I just made the perfect one. I was like, fuck it, let's just come out with it. It's limited. We made 350 bottles, I think. And it's called the greatest clone of all time. Cause that's what it is. It's just boom. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to call it that. Yeah. And so uh, tenacious D kind of vibes with yeah. that. So isn't it? Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully there's some left by the time this launches. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Cause didn't you, in the summer as part of those limited ranges, didn't you have um, an art space and did a kind of gallery thing? With- I did an art show myself, yeah, of, of like 12 crazy fragrances and I made art for them and stuff in at the Olfactory Art Keller, which is a gallery that's just for fragrance uh, down in uh, Chinatown in New York. But it's so great yeah. that you get to express that side of it as well that you know yeah i think it's important right to do those things like you can't not everything can be like all about like selling and commercial like you got to keep like the art the artistry up everything we do has to have like artistry behind it you know yeah i love that and the final thing david on on the podcast just again as it can be as deep or shallow as you want to take it really but just the things that bring you joy and happiness i wonder what they are okay yeah i mean so I'm a big meditator. Um, spiritual life is the most important thing to me. So my, that's definitely the source of all my inspiration and joy. Uh, and then, you know, just trying to be the best person and the best like friend and citizen and father and son and father-in-law and business owner that I can be, you know, definitely inspires me just, just to try to be better every day uh, as a person. Um, I feel a lot of joy in you know, communing with others and conversing and music and nature and trees and fragrances. I think there's joy in everything if you just observe it, you know, if you observe that thing, like you see the joy behind it. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. That's a fantastic note to end on. Um, Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me on Man in the Mirror this week. Thank you, man. And wishing you all the best. You take care. You too. Thanks, David. Cheers. My thanks to David there. Obviously, this is an audio medium, so uh, you can't see the visuals, but uh, David and I could see each other as we were recording, and he was in his studio in Brooklyn, and there were all these fascinating-looking 
bottles and samples and vials behind him of no doubt and sort of new new creations from the brand. Um, I'm sure lots of you you know some of their fragrances and and candles anyway, but um, just such a fantastic range that I really recommend you you have a look at. There's uh, for, for the festive season. There's uh, a candle called Portable Christmas Tree. Lots of other incredible home fragrance, but also in their main fragrance line, um, a really popular one at the moment. It's called I Don't Know What, which has this sort of enhancer quality. It's, it's a real sort of translucent fragrance, but that really kind of amps up other fragrances. It's fantastic. And one that I actually love from from a year or so ago, I think called Grapefruit Generation, which was, is, is yeah, fabulous. A, a, a citrus, but with a kind of deepness and earthiness about it too. Um, well worth having a look at. Um, if you want to find out more about the brand, you can do. They're at dsandurga.com. That's the letters D and an S. The words A-N-D, so it's D-S-A-N-D, Durga, which is D-U-R-G-A. So it's dsandurga.com. And the same on the socials at dsandurga. Um, thanks to David in Brooklyn for, for taking time to do that with me today. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Um, there's plenty more Man in the Mirror to come, so I'll see you next time. You take care. Bye. Bye.